Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his newsmaking interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Thank you for subscribing and listening each and every week. Wherever you do it, wherever you are around the world, it is greatly appreciated. Hope everybody had a good week on this 12th day of December already, 2019, which is the day this episode is posting new. A big show tonight. If you're in the L.A. area, come see me in Los Angeles. At the Rainbow tonight, on the patio at the legendary Rainbow Bar and Grill, my final broadcast of my monthly series for the year. Yep, the Trunk Nation LA Invasion is happening tonight, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. You can hear all the action live on Sirius XM Channel 106 volume. And if you are in LA, be sure to come down and join me. And uh, all my friends, all my buddies, a bunch of cool musicians, we are going to have a great time tonight. Holiday-themed event. We've never done one quite like this before. It's going to be a little more loose. You never know who's going to come by. And we'll have maybe some prizes. We'll have some surprises. Going to be a great way to celebrate the holidays. So come on down if you're in L.A. tonight for the Trunk Nation LA Invasion Holiday Party, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific. Everyone else in the U.S. or Canada, you can listen to everything as it happens live from the patio on Channel 106, Trunk Nation on volume on Sirius XM. And again, with the L.A. shows, when we do them from the rainbow, does not cost you a penny to get in. There's no cover. There's no admission. There's no guest list. There's no ticket. Just come on down. Should have quite a scene there tonight. Excited for it. So uh, that is tonight is the second to last appearance for me for the year. I uh, got one more coming up, December 20th, which will be at Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey, my annual get together with Don and Jim for the That Metal Show Christmas party. We have a great time there as well with some great prizes and friends and some local folks that we hang with. So if you're in Jersey, Come down December 20th to Dingbats and Clifton for the annual TMS reunion Christmas party. Also, always a blast. As usual, ask you to follow me on Twitter where I'm most active, most up to the second with news, info, and updates at Eddie Trunk. Also, Instagram at Eddie Trunk. Fan page on Facebook and EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. 
This week, a great interview. Again, all the interviews come to you courtesy of Trunk Nation on volume on Sirius XM. As I always tell you, only getting a tiny little taste of what I do on a daily basis. I hope you join me and listen every day on Sirius XM if you are in the U.S. or Canada. But this was a conversation I had a little over a week ago with Dave Menachetti of the band Y&T. I have been a Y&T fan since I can't tell you how long. When I was a kid and first discovered Y&T, which would have been around 1982 in the Black Tiger album, there was a legendary rock club in Brooklyn that I would often drive to called Lemoore's, which is sadly no longer there. But the bands used to go on at like some ungodly hour, the headliner of like 1.30 in the morning because they wanted people to stay there drinking and it was New York City and all that. But man, I used to drive there and see bands that I loved and Y&T was one of them and I had so many great chances to see them back in the early days and always a mind-blowing live band. And to this day in 2019, they still are. Even though the lineup is different, even though sadly three of the four original members have passed away, they are still incredible in their current lineup. And really every version of Y&T has been incredible in terms of musicianship and their abilities to play and their abilities to deliver the songs and just an incredible real live band. No BS, no fake backing tracks, no vocals on tracks, no nothing. Just an incredible lethal live band led by Dave Menachetti, who is probably one of the most underrated musicians in rock history. I mean, the guy is the dual threat vocally and lead guitar playing mind-blowing. And what Dave still does now in his late 60s is remarkable. So I've known these guys for, I've known Dave for a really long time. I know other guys in the band or guys that have been in the band. And it was a supreme honor for me to be asked by Dave Menachetti and his wife, Jill, when they first started working on a documentary about the band's career, to be involved in it. And when I say be involved in it, they reached out to me early on. Now, this thing has been a long time in the making. I got to say at least four or five years, if I'm not mistaken. But they reached out to me when they first started putting it together and the folks working on it did and asked me if I would fly to San Francisco and spend a couple days with Dave interviewing him for the documentary and also asked if I would narrate the film. And they were very good to me. They were very gracious to fly me there. They were uh, they paid me to, for the work. They were just wonderful, really were very wonderful and gracious and couldn't have treated me better. I mean, just the honor of being asked was pretty incredible for me as a lifelong fan. And although I've done some voiceover work here and there in my career, I've never narrated a film. So that was also a first and a really cool thing to be doing at this point in my career. So I, I remember going there and doing those interviews. I, I interviewed Dave for two days in two different locations, which make up the bulk of the interviews you see in the documentary that they've just released. You, you only see or hear me very little off camera, but, but much of who Dave is talking to when he's talking during the doc is me setting him up for those questions. 
And then just like a month or a couple months ago, I finished off the film when I did the narration and sent that into them. And now we finally have this documentary called On With The Show on the, uh, about this criminally underrated, phenomenal, phenomenal hard rock band. And sure, like any band, they had their ups and their downs and their better periods than others and their fashion, you know, getting wrapped up in the fashions of the mid 80s and what have you. But at their core, if you listen to records like Earthshaker, Black Tiger, Mean Streak, In Rock We Trust, even later records like Contagious and 10, Face Melter, I mean, it's just phenomenal hard rock. And if you've had a chance to see Y&T live, you know what I'm talking about. I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've seen them live recently, like in the last 15 years, maybe more than ever, because they've been incredibly active. They play on all the Monsters of Rock cruises, which I always get a chance to see them play on. And it's always phenomenal seeing them out there on the pool stage, tour all over the world, incredibly hardworking, and just as, as good as any band you will ever see live. So it was truly a great thrill to be a part of this documentary. A lot of tragedy happened during the making of this documentary with Leonard Hayes and Joey Alves passing away, although they're featured prominently in it. And again, I recommend the documentary very, very highly. And I really recommend you guys getting it as a physical DVD or Blu-ray, which is available on the band's website, because the doc itself is over two hours long. And with the package if you buy it physically you're getting an entire extra dvd of almost two hours more of content which if and when this becomes available on a streaming outlet you're likely not going to get so it's well worth whatever the cost is to buy this as a physical dvd or blu-ray and i definitely suggest you guys checking out on with the show from yt covering their incredible 45 year career so that's what we have coming up for you, a chat with Dave Menichetti about the documentary. I hope you guys do enjoy it. Uh, we really just, in the 45 minutes or so that we talked, we really just scratched the surface of so many things I could have gotten into with Dave, who is always a, a great treat to talk with and always busy, always active. Monsters of Rock Crew is already announced for next year, as well as uh, some other gigs and uh, those guys always on the road all over the world. So that's what's going on, folks. On this week's edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, please be sure to follow on social media. Please be sure to keep an eye on eddietrunk.com. And if you're in the U.S. or Canada, please listen to me daily on volume on Sirius XM channel 106. We will get to Dave Menichetti coming up right after this on this week's edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, have you guys had a chance to check out Spike's Car Radio? If not, you need to check it out and catch up on some of his awesome interviews. In the past few weeks, Spike has talked with Matt Damon and Christian Bale from Ford versus Ferrari, Kim Coates, and William Finchner. So head on over to Spike's feed and take a listen. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe to Spike's Car Radio so you can get new episodes every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast.
Okay, let's get you to Dave Menachetti right now on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. This interview happened less than two weeks ago. Happened live on the radio on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation. Talking to Dave Menachetti about the new Y&T documentary now released on with the show. Enjoy. Here is the great Dave Menachetti of Y&T. Dave, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. You have a lot of experience at the Rainbow. Watching the doc, I saw that you guys would play the Starwood and all that. Were you guys Rainbow, uh, big Rainbow guys back in the day, hanging out there and all the debauchery that went on? Uh, a couple of the guys were, absolutely, yeah. I mean, not me uh, for some reason. I don't know. I've just not had a lot of time at the Rainbow. Oh, okay. Well, I do the show from there every every month, so if it ever works out that you're in L.A. at the time we're doing it, I'd love to have you swing by. We have a good time out there, and it's funny. Some of these guys that come in there haven't been in in a while, and they say, oh, my God, if the walls could talk in that place. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I heard you saying you're going to be there on the 12th. That's my birthday, so I'm probably not going to be there for that one. <laughs> oh, well. Well, happy birthday in advance to you, Dave. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I am so thrilled that this documentary has finally seen the light of day. I'm sure you were asked about it constantly. I I know I was. It was becoming like the Chinese democracy of documentaries. (laughs) But it's finally (laughs) out there, and I watched every minute of both discs and absolutely well worth the wait. Tell me about... Uh, the experience for you finally seeing this come to completion? Well, of course, for me, it's a blessing because, uh, you know, I've I've been fielding, you know, so many different fans have been asking over the last couple of years, is this thing ever coming out? Is this, you know, so from that standpoint, I'm just happy that it's done. It's out there and uh, people can finally see the product. Um, Interesting, of course, to watch a documentary about, what I've done in my life for the last 45 years. Um, yeah, it's very cool. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, 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 uh, sort of a nonplussed about the whole thing because, you know, it's, it's a subject matter that's close to home, as you say. Who who had the initial idea to do a documentary about the band? I mean, there documentaries, biopics, pretty popular these days, to say the least. But when did, yours has been in production for a while. When and who had the idea to do this? Uh, well, years before we even came to the conclusion to do one, uh, I remembered that myself and Phil Kenimore, uh, when he was alive, we had discussed it briefly and uh but ne- never really seriously enough to where we wanted to pursue it and then we kind of left it alone and it was pretty much our drummer mike vanderhool that had brought it up for the actual you know getting this thing done and uh he sort of had to really convince me quite frankly because i was like well do we really need to do this and um he just said, man, come on, man, you, you've, you've had a, a great career, 45 years, you've got a good story, I think it's worth doing. So that's, that's really where it came from. It was mostly, I think, Mike uh, thinking about, uh, you know, that we should finally put this thing to video. Well, that's interesting, coming from a newer member of the band, 
But it also makes a lot of sense because in the case of Mike, who, of course, is the current drummer, in the case of Aaron, who, of course, is the current bass player, uh, in the case of Brad, who was the bass player that Aaron replaced, they're all in the documentary. And the one thing that's totally obvious from all of them is they also were Y&T fans long before they were ever in the band. So it would it would bear to make sense that they would be, hey, we'd like to see this even not just selfishly to be in it, but from a fan perspective. Right, right. And that's exactly where it was coming from. And, you know, I mean, once I was online for it, you know, and I, and I was going for it, I, then there was no problem. I, I, you know, I mean, I hate to sound like I was, I was trying to say no all the time. It wasn't that. It was just, you know, it wasn't one of these things that was really first in my mind. And, uh, you know, when we get started talking about it, I said, yeah, no, I, I, I think we should do something. And, and there you have it. And, and of course, we, we handed it off to um, two guys that uh, had never done this before, but had done some decent work in, in, uh, in film and video. And so we thought, you know, let's, let's, let's hand it off to people that are close to the family. And that's exactly what this was. So uh, they they took it and ran with it. And with all of the documentary filming that they did, I mean, there's probably thousands of hours worth of interviews for all over the place, different musicians, different people in the press. And of course, uh, numerous interviews with me over the years. So, um, and, and uh, because it was taking so long, some things happened along the way where they needed to get me back in and interview me again, you know, such as uh, Joey passing away, Leonard passing away, our sound man passing away um, and, and uh, you know, changing bass players and all that kind of stuff. So um, it, it was, it, it got, it got longer because of things that were going on as well. When did it now I remember and and I'll tell you, I mean, honestly, man, I can't thank you and Jill enough because I'm so honored to have been a part of this. I'm honored that you asked me to narrate it. It really was a big thrill for me and you guys were great to me. And I I, I can't thank you enough for having me involved in this thing. But purely from where I sit as a lifelong fan of the band and I come into the scene, you know, in, in terms of being a fan, I discovered the band around Black Tiger. So around 82 but even for me, as hardcore of a Y&T fan I have always been and still am, I uh, there was a lot I learned from watching this thing, especially about the pre-Earthshaker period and, and how you guys, I mean, of course I know the Yesterday and Today records and I know how it all started, but the early, early stuff, the early formation of the band, and then even some things during you know subsequent years when I, I, wa- I was a fan that I did I wasn't even aware of. So there really is a lot there was a lot of content to get into in this and I think it was great that the running time of the the film itself is about 2 hours. But then there's that other disc of a ton of extra material which you call encore. But I imagine cuz I know Dave I spent 2 days with you alone interviewing you. I imagine that yep. this thing could have been a, a mini series if you wanted it to be. I would imagine <laughs> exactly the right, editing, yeah. the editing had to be the hardest part. Like what don't you include? Yeah. And, and that was the hard part because at one point the filmmakers came to us and said, okay, we've done our, you know, we put in all the pieces that we think are relevant and uh, it's about seven and a half hours long. <laughs> and that's like, you know, we were all laughing and going, okay, 
Well, you know, let's let's start uh, seeing all of this stuff, and uh, and you know, we'll tell you right off the bat what doesn't need to be there, what can be shortened, and so on and so forth. But uh, you know, so yeah, that that particular part of it, the, the editing part, that's that's got to be the toughest part for these guys because they lived this thing for four years, and every bit of it that they wanted in there, they all felt was was you know significant, and it, and it needed to be there. So. Uh, you know, editing all that stuff down was pretty pretty tough on them. I'm, no question about it. And and also, just to your point that you said that you know, even though you know so much about the band, that there was a lot that you didn't know that you found out about in the documentary. That's what I've been hearing in the last couple of weeks since uh, you know some of our friends and family and things like that and and associates have been seeing the documentary they've they've all said the same thing that uh, it's number one that they really love it and it's well done and number two that uh, there's so much that they learned from this documentary that they didn't know before yeah like one of the biggest thing things that jumped out at me which i first of all i had no idea that joey had so much input in writing and some of those really I mean, the way he put it, and there's a moment where he actually picks up the guitar and plays a little bit of some of these sort of intro pieces he wrote. Like, even I'll Cry For You, I didn't even know that the basis of that song, which is such a showcase for your playing, was actually his idea. I, I was blown away by all that. Yeah, yeah. Now, there's a, that's a question. There's no question about it. I mean, the fact that Joey was kind of a riff master is what I could say. I mean, certainly I came up with a ton of stuff myself when it came to riffs, but um, that was one of the things that he was really great at is coming up with these chord riffs and things like the intro to rescue me and, and that whole rhythm section underneath I'll cry for you. And that was, that was the kind of thing that he did so well. You know, he, he was just really good at, at coming up with great rhythmic ideas. And of course, with I'll Cry For You, his whole thing was, here's this great set of chords that I came up with last night. I just love them. Dave, I just can't wait to see what you come over the top with, you know, with guitar playing. So that's the kind of stuff that he was fantastic at. And uh, a lot of people don't realize it. And the other big thing that I didn't realize from a songwriting standpoint was how much Phil contributed to lyrics. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Phil originally was not really doing much lyrically. And then when it came to uh, the Earthshaker record, he got a little bit more involved. And then finally in Black Tiger, he really took over. And what ended up happening was, is that he would probably end up doing, I guess, about uh, 60% of the, uh, of the lyrics in Black Tiger. And we would just be sitting around coming up with lyrics and such for years after that and we'd come up with some good stuff but then when phil would just put his mind to it he would say things lyrically that we could think of but put, couldn't quite put down as eloquently as he did and so it just became obvious that this was his his trade right here i mean he he is just one great guy at coming up with fun and interesting ways of saying things. And, uh, and so, you know, we kind of gave him the reins to go ahead and write a lot of the lyrics for the band from, from basically black tiger on, you know, it's a, it's a tough thing because you watch this documentary. Now, obviously Phil had passed away before it 
started to shoot because there's really not any the, you have the footage of him on stage and there's a lot of great film moments in it, but you didn't, he had been gone before you had the chance for him to really sit and do an interview. But, but in the case of Joey and Leonard, that's not the case. And man, I mean, timing wise, thank God you made this thing when you did, because it's so wonderful to have their voice and their being so prominently featured telling this story along the way. It does make you miss Phil a whole lot. Cause that's that there's that one fourth piece of the original four. You're not, you know, hearing from in the one-on-one interviews, but getting Leonard and Joey in who, who, who tragically passed away while it was being made. Right. That's correct. Yeah, that was, it was a very strange thing, of course, that they passed away within about eight months of each other. And, um, but you know, what was an odd thing for me to, to hear, and certainly I totally understood is that, the filmmakers were constantly every day going through all of this footage that they had shot of Joey and Leonard and so many others, obviously. But so, so Joey and Leonard had become almost like, you know, best of buddies to to them because they were constantly looking at them on the screen every single day. And then when they passed away, it was really a shock to these guys as well. Obviously a shock to me and the, and the entire Y&T family. But from their perspective, it was like, wow, I lost my brother or something because that's what they've been living is, is that footage and those interviews of Joey and Leonard for those couple of years before they passed. Yeah, it really, for me, I, I got so wrapped up into that part of it because, of course, you I know and I know well and I've known you forever and and Phil uh, when when he was still with us I mean we spent some time together but Leonard and and Joey um I didn't know Joey at all personally but Leonard was in touch with me in, in during the final years of his life a little bit wanting to help wanting me to help promote his own band and you know he's rocking the t-shirt throughout much of the interviews the Hayes experience right. and all that and you know so I I'd, I'd gotten you know I had some some talks with him and stuff but just watching it, it you get so wrapped up in it and their personalities and their stories and then there's these cutaways of you know there's Leonard which makes all the sense of the world with you know, befriending AJ Perro who sadly is also gone or with the Motley guys or all that sort of stuff you really get a feeling like, you know, these guys through this documentary and then the realization comes at the end, like, oh, my gosh, they're actually gone. You know, that this thing was made. Right. But but in a way, it's great that they have this sort of final platform to really give fans some insights on what they were all about, because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but back in the day, they really weren't very well publicized guys. Yeah, no, I, I think if, if anything probably Leonard was more so than anybody else because of the fact that everybody knew that he was a major partier and a major crazy dude. Um, but yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of publicity and um, it's really amazing that they were able to be, you know, such a part of this documentary while they were alive. So yes, obviously the timing was great from that standpoint, not so great for Phil, um, because constantly the, the filmmakers would be asking me, do you have anything else of Phil that, you know, some, some, some on-screen interviews with him or whatever. And, and I just, I mean, I have so much stuff, Eddie. Oh my God. They took something like 10 giant tubs of, of things and videos and 
everything that I've had over, over my career, you know, to, to, to put into this. And I just didn't have anything, you know, when it came to Phil, Phil was very much a, a, a person that liked to be to himself when it came to anything in the press. He was not good with interviews. I mean, he would be great with interviews if he would let himself do one, but, but he hated it. I mean, he just like, you know, Dave, you're great at it. You do it. I don't want, I don't want anything. He wanted a very private life for himself and he got that. Uh, Unfortunately, it it was, you know, a a bad part for us trying to get more of of him talking in, in the documentary. Yeah. And I remember that because he would often talk to me about that too. Like he would talk to me privately all the time. No problem. We went to, I took him to a baseball game. I took him to an A's game years ago when we went, you know, when, when Piazza was playing for the A's and we had a great afternoon out together, but yeah, come to think of it in all the years that I've known you guys in all the interviews you and I have done, he was, he would, he'd talk to me privately or he'd hang all the time, but never was the guy that said, Hey, you know, I'd love you get guys in bands. Hey, I want to talk to you sometime. When can I come on? He was never that guy. No, he, he wasn't. In fact, for many years, Phil would, uh, you know, cause I, before the whole idea about bands doing meet and greets after a show or anything like that, um, you know, I, we just did that naturally. I mean, I would just go to my car at the end of a show and there would be a crowd of people that would come around and I would stand there until everybody was sorted out. And, and he was just one of these guys. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't being a mean thing to the fans or anything, but he just really just wanted to be private. And so his whole thing was, I know exactly what to do, how to leave a show, man. I just wait until Dave goes out and then I can bust out of there while everybody's <laughs> standing around him and nobody will notice. You know, I mean, that's the kind of guy he was when it came to, you know, he just didn't like to, to just be out there for everybody. You know, he he had his certain circle of friends, and certainly he was a hanger as far as partying goes and and hanging out at the bar after a show or something like that. You could spend a lot of time with him if you did that, but just not one of these kind of guys that wanted to be where, you know, everybody's friend and everybody knows everything about Phil. He, he, He was a very private guy. You know, and and when you get beyond the original four, and the other remarkable thing about watching this documentary is that whatever lineup changes happened in the band, all you're really kind, you know, you you you've always kind of had everybody sort of still a member of the family, even even Brad Lang, who I know it was tough for you, who you had to dismiss from the band. You guys are very open and honest about that and as to the reasons why and then there's brad talking about it like a lot of times yeah. you would have situations like that happen in a band and oh screw that i'm not going to go talk to that. i'm not going to you know and there's bitterness and hostility yeah. there's brad with a parrot on his shoulder you know <laughs> smiling and saying yeah they were right it was the good so so when you look at the arc of the band beyond the original four guys, which obviously there's always a lot of focus on, th- there's everyone is featured in this thing, and all of those different eras of Y and T, including the current one, there's an, a, a remarkable amount of consistency there, which I I find incredible. I, I don't know what, how you account for that, but it's kind of like once you're in that sort of fraternity of Y and T. You're always sort of a member of the family, whether it's Jimmy DeGrasso or Steph Burns or any of these guys. They all show up in the dock. 
they all ha- you can see have great smiles and great memories and great experiences of their time in the band. And then for me as a fan, that's great to see because you never want to see, you know, a bunch of drama in the bands that you love. But the other thing that's so incredible about it is those lineups also delivered and maybe a little differently than when a member changed, but the level of consistency in those different bands is pretty incredible. I don't know how you account for that. Yeah, I, uh, you know what, Eddie, that, that's one very important point right there. And I don't have the perfect answer for you, except to just say that every single iteration of this band has been fantastic. And there's always been this feeling that the guys, that everybody that we've ever hired for Y&T to be in this band, we always tried to make them feel like this was not about me. This was not about Phil. This was not about any other original member. This was just a family of people. You are an equal part of this family. And when we you know, let somebody go from the band as, as hard as that was. And believe me, every single decision was very hard and it was never fun and it was never popular, but, uh, you know, we're not vindictive people. We're regular people. We're nice people. And they understood, even though they didn't like it, they understood what was going on at the time. And then when, you know, months or years later, when they have reflection about it, and they realize it and they still know that we're still calling them or texting them on their birthday and saying, hope you're doing okay. You know what I mean? There's, there's never any bad feelings between any of us. And, and that's one thing that Leonard really wanted to put across on this particular documentary too, is because he knew that we were always getting hell for, for letting Leonard go over our career. I mean, me and Phil, man, we, we must've heard so many people over the years go, you know, I used to like you, but now that you got rid of Phil, I got rid of Leonard, sorry, you know, this and that. And, and Leonard was, was the first to admit, you know, you know, and I, I totally get why you guys fired me. He goes, he goes, I would have fired me, you know, knowing everything that I knew what was going on back then. And that's kind of what he was trying to put across into the documentary. I mean, they took out that part when he actually said that, but you know, that it's all, it's all good. In other words, Um, everybody knows what was going down and, there's never been this kind of drama behind the scenes. If if anything, it's been the other way where there's a lot of love between the band members. Past yeah. Members. I mean, yeah, that's incredible to me. And that's so unique. I can tell you there, there is a major band right now that there's a producer trying to do a documentary on. And, you know, there's two original members that control everything and they're trying to help get me to help wrangle some of these other guys. And there's like, I'm not going to do that. I don't know what the money is. I don't know. I don't, I don't have final edit. I don't have this. I don't have that. And exactly. when you look, yeah. when you look at what this Y and T doc, I mean, everybody who is alive and sadly there's people in it that were alive when it was done that aren't anymore, but they're all just, you know, rem- reminiscing about their time in the band and just, you can see a genuine smile. There's a genuine affection for what, for their roles in Y and T, if however great or minimal it may have been. I think that's an incredibly rare thing, and it really speaks volumes to you and how you've run the band, and and even how you and you, how how your wife runs it to this day. I mean, it, it really it really is a very refreshing thing to see. Well, thank you, man. I I am very proud about that myself, and. And for what it's worth, every single tour that we play, and now we're doing, you know, 
course, our 45th anniversary tour was this year. It, every single night, there's not a fan that doesn't come up and go, I just saw you last year. I saw you three years ago, whatever. How do you keep getting better every year? I mean, and at your age, I mean, let's face it, I'm not, you know, 20 years old. Uh, you still, you're singing better than you were last year. You know, how is that possible? And I just have to attribute it to there is just something about this band. And I don't know, you know, I, 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 from being too close to it, I can't actually tell you what it is. But when people get in this band, when we're playing this material, when we are always excited, we have passion for our, for our job. And strangely enough, we do seem to get better every year. And I don't understand it, I, I, you know, except to say that maybe it's just from doing it for so many years. We, we now, with these same people, uh, we know each other better. We know where to go with the material. I don't know what it is. But, uh, and I can say, 45th anniversary, honest to God, I think this is the best I've ever sung in my life was this whole year. Uh, my voice is just, I, I'm singing higher now than I could five years ago. So I don't, I don't get it, man. But all I can say is, thank God it's happening. <laughs> well, yeah, as a fan, I say that as well. And I bring, I say this in the doc, you know, you go see all these bands and, oh, they're tuned down or they're running tracks or they're doing this or they're doing that or they're playing 45 minutes or you go see Y&T. And this is a point made throughout the documentary. You're going to get a minimum two hours and you're still going to get a band that's real and live and at the top of the game and all the vocals are real. It's just so great to see. And then you've got guys in there like D. Snyder. And Sammy Hagar, and Sammy's got a few years on you, and he's sitting there saying, I don't know how this guy plays lead guitar and sings lead vocals at the same time and does it as well as he does for as long as he has. And that's coming from a guy like Sammy, who in his early 70s now can still belt it out. So it's got to feel good for you to see people like that. There's a clip of D Snyder talking about, you know, going to this festival. Oh shit. Y and T's playing. He had to run out on the side of the stage and sing forever. And there's right. video of it. I mean, it's got to feel great for you, even though we all know the massive commercial sales never came for Y and T to have that sort of respect from your peers and see them say that in this doc is, is deserved. And it, I imagine it's a good feeling. It is a good feeling. And of course, you know, to see it on film and, and see, you know, cause I was never there for anybody's interview. I didn't know what was going on with any of this until I started seeing the, uh, the clips of it myself. So it was really nice to see this. And uh, so many people have been more than kind to us. And uh, you know, I, I just, you know, I feel very proud of it. And, and I got to tell you just a quick little thing. And, and, I don't mean this to be self-serving, but we just got off of our two-month tour that we do every year in Europe. Now, this year, now maybe it was because my, I hurt my back last year and we've skipped a year or whatever, but we just played two months of three-quarters of them sold out and all the other ones rammed to near capacity. And this was our most successful tour that we've ever done in Europe. So, I mean, here we are on 45 years and we're packing them in and it's like, wow. And the excitement is palpable. I mean, the, the people are so loud and so excited to see us. And at this time of, of our career, that is amazing. 
you know, so and, that and that's be, another well that and that's another point that comes through big in the dock, Dave, just to cut in, is that one of the biggest regrets you had early on was you pulling away from Europe who accepted you first before anyone and and focusing more on the U.S. Yes, that that was a decision that myself and Phil were completely against. And everybody else in the organization, including management and record company and the other band members, were completely for. And it was like, this makes absolutely no sense. And to me, you know, when they ask me, what regrets do you have in your, in, in, your, in your career? I usually say I don't have any. You know, things just happen because they happened and, and things go on. But I could say that was my regret right there is that I let that happen, you know, because we were – we were had become headliners in the UK for the very first time. I mean, not headliners of clubs, headliners of concert halls. And then we don't go back. It doesn't make any sense. So, you know, I, that, that was just, yeah, that was just one of those stupid and crazy decisions that was made during our career. Hey, Dave, do you have a few more minutes? I got to take a break. I want to put you on hold if I can and just talk to you a little bit more about the doc, if that's okay. Absolutely. All right, great. Let's put Dave on hold and we'll come back and we'll continue with a few more minutes because there's so much to cover with this thing and it's such a great documentary. And we'll get all the details from Dave on how you can actually get it as well. It's called On With The Show, a long-awaited, much-deserved documentary on a tremendous, tremendous band, Y&T. More with Dave Menichetti right after this. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, we're back, continuing for a few more minutes our conversation with Dave Menachetti of Y&T, talking about this fantastic new documentary, On With The Show, which is available now. Dave, we've been talking about this for a little bit, and I could talk to you about it for hours, but before we go any further, why don't we tell the audience how they can get it exactly? Because this is uh, going to be one of these deals where you you get it as a, as a DVD, as a physical disc. It's not a streaming thing just yet, right? Not just yet. Yeah, because we were overseas the last two months as this thing was finally getting finished, there just wasn't physically enough time to put all of that in motion all at the same time to get released simultaneously. So uh, Jill has been working uh, diligently to get the streaming portion sorted out and uh, hopefully up and running in the next month or so. Um, but until that happens, uh, the, the place to get it is through our website at uh, yntrocks.com. And uh, just go to our merchandise page, and you can get it as a Blu-ray or a DVD uh, currently. That's, that's, that's the way you can get it at the moment. But uh, eventually, within the next month or two, it should be up on the streaming sites, you know, you can iTunes or Amazon or any number of these places. But I would imagine, and I mean, I'm, I know I speak, Speaking for myself, I love physically having things, CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays, whatever. And, and I would think a majority of your fans are going to want to own this physically. The packaging is real nice. And the one thing with the streaming is, I would imagine, I mean, there's an entire bonus disc of over two hours of bonus content that's really entertaining and fun to watch. I would think the only way you're going to get all that is by physically buying the discs, right? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And, and of course, we love that bonus disc so much that we wanted to incorporate it into the whole package. Originally, that was just going to be like an extra little thing, and we figured it might be like 30 minutes. 
but then it, <laughs> you know, when the filmmakers put all this stuff together and, and, and put it out to us, we're like, Oh my God, this is, this is great. This is really good. This is entertaining. We got to just in, include it in and, and make it a two disc deal. And, uh, and I would imagine that's not going to be, uh, on the streaming part. It's just going to be the documentary itself. So yes, this is how you get it is, is to yeah. get the actual physical product. Yeah. I would encourage anybody listening that wants to see this, get the, get the package because you get everything in there. You want the discs, you want, all the packaging and you want to be able to watch all that extra content. Cause we're not talking like three, four minute bonus outtake. We're talking basically a whole nother two hour documentary of a lot of stuff. Yep. Because as we mentioned earlier, you talk to everybody. What I'm so, I'm so into this sort of stuff. I love seeing uh, Max Norman talk about doing black tiger. And then you cut to the photos of you guys. You, you talking about the tour you did with Motley Crue, you, the tour you did with ACDC, uh, Chris Tangaridis, who did the mean streak record tragically also no longer with us who, who passed away since right. this has been made. So the fact that you were able to go back, talk to all the old band members, include the producers, even your original manager, you know, he's in there saying yeah. wonderful things. It's crazy to me because that's just so unique for a rock band. Most of the time, I'm not going to talk, screw those guys. They owe me money or <laughs> they're dicks or they screwed me over. Or whatever. There's literally nobody that was alive that wasn't willing to come on the record and say wonderful things about working with Y&T. That's remarkable. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is really impacting you because you're constantly talking to band members, you know, for so many decades and seeing how many problems there are within oh. the band. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just, it's more seemingly seems to be more the point than, than, than less, you know, I mean, it, and and yeah, so so I can imagine where you're looking at this and going, I don't get it. <laughs> oh yeah, because I live this every day. I get the call. I get the calls and the text. Well, if that one's going to be on it, I'm not doing it all this. And here you've got this this ultimate kumbaya of Y and T in this documentary. It's phenomenal. It's just it's one of the things that makes the band, among many things, so special and so unique. All right, before I run out of time, I got to ask you this. So. In the extras in this, they're, they're all subtitled, like uh, the influence of the band, uh, a section on you, Leonard, Joey, uh, Phil. And then there's one uh, subtitled section said, why wasn't Y&T bigger? Where everybody gives their theories as to why the band never got co totally over the hump and became, you know, an arena headliner or sold millions of records or any of that. So you, Dave Menachetti, the one guy that's been there through all of it, that's still standing, what do you, can you pinpoint it? Do you think there's a defining moment that explains why Y&T did not get to that level, that next level and become a bigger band? Well, you know, I've had a lot of time to think about that question because <laughs> I constantly have been asked it every single day for the last 40 years. And uh, I honestly don't have the perfect answer for it. I mean, sometimes things just happen because they happen that way. And certainly there could have been some bad decisions that were made along the way or bad choices. Uh, who knows? Honestly, I leave that to everybody else to, to come to their own conclusion because I, I just don't know. Honestly, I just don't know. It's, things happen sometimes not for a reason, sometimes for a reason. But I don't have the perfect answer for you.
Do you think if you would have went to Europe, I know that, and this comes off in the dock, that that's a big thing that you can tell you you really still aggravated about that decision where you had all this um, incredible momentum early in Europe and then you decided to sort of abandon it to chase America. Do you think if you would have kept building up Europe at that time that the, the wave would have eventually come back to the U.S. and you could have built it back that way? Yeah, I mean, that's a very, very good possibility. I, I look at, uh, you know, previous tours over there and, and we do the business, but, you know, I thought, wow, you know, when they maybe only putting in anywhere from four to a thousand people, 400 to a thousand people, maybe we could have been still doing, you know, 1500 to 3000 people right now, who knows, because obviously things have all been teared down for every band. I um, you know, when you used to put in 10,000 people, you now put in 500, you know, it's, yeah. it's things, things have changed dramatically, but, Still, I I can't help but think what could have happened for the band from that standpoint, certainly overseas. Um, but we'll never know. <laughs> the thing that the thing is a fan, the way I see it is, and this is just and I don't remember if I say this in the doc or somebody else did, does. But the one thing that I, I see is that where Y&T was always a very sort of uh, lack of a better term, meat and potatoes, sort of hard rock no frills, just built on incredible music. The The one thing you guys may could, could maybe be charged with is you, you sort of chased at times what, and, and you, everybody did it. What was happening in terms of the look of the band. I mean, I was out at down for the count. I mean, that was kind of like, for me, I came back, but down for the count, you even mentioned it in the doc, a lot of fans basically ignored that record, but then, sure. The, the lineup change, then Contagious, as much as it has great stuff on it, you or somebody in it says it basically the song Contagious is got all the Bon Jovi hallmarks. And then the thing I couldn't believe until I saw some old footage of him is how much Jimmy DeGrasso looked like John Bon Jovi back then. Holy <laughs> God, was he a doppelganger for Bon Jovi? And you even said people charge like... Oh, they got rid of Leonard because they wanted some cute young guy in the band. So I think all of that, and then then the ten record, which also has great stuff on it. I think it just it just became this. Oh, here's another band from the late seventies, early eighties that's just chasing the sound and the look of today versus being true to what the roots of them were: Black Tiger, Mean Streak, Earthshaker. Yeah, I mean, that certainly happened when it came, mostly, I would say, the Down for the Count record, because that was a tortured record as far as the record company just literally putting the thumb on us, like, if you don't do this, we're, you know, we're no longer going to be on our label. And, uh, and we were paranoid as hell because we'd already been out there and we'd already gotten a name for ourselves. And we're like, well, what are we going to do if these guys drop us? And so there was a lot of pressure. I mean, we tried to hold strong to our ideals, and, and there's probably about 30% of the songs on there that would, you know, go easily with the previous material. But, but uh, you know, it was, it was a tough record, and we were all having problems with each other at that time. It was just before we let Leonard go. Uh, there, there were all kinds of issues going on around that. But as you said, we were certainly not singular in, in being the only band that caved to oh, no. pressures by record companies. That was certainly happening. Everybody wanted 
uh, whoever was popular at the time. And they wanted all of their bands that were doing something similar to start sounding like those bands that were really popular. So, yeah, it, it came down that way. And as you heard from the song Contagious, and I like the song Contagious. It's a, it's a good song. I co-wrote it with, with this outside songwriter. And I just mentioned that, you know, they put in this sort of Bon Jovi sort of a whoa, whoa kind of hook. I said, I wouldn't have put, I wouldn't have written that. I said, that was his part. And then you, and then you cut to John Kolodner, who was the guy that signed us at Geffen. And he's like, yeah, I wanted these guys to be Bon Jovi. You know what I'm like? Well, he never told me that because he told us that he wanted us to do exactly what we wanted to do and be just the, the band we wanted to be. But, but behind the scenes, he was fighting for us to do something else, you know? So it, it was just a strange time to be in rock and roll, man. I don't know if there's ever not a strange time, but, but certainly the, the, the way that record companies all wanted to sort of, you know, bring everybody together and homogenize them to be whatever they want their, their bands to sound like at that time. That, that was what was going down. Well, I'll tell you what, I could go on and on about so many things pulling apart the last 45 years because this this documentary just spurred that even more in me being such a fan. And it's just, it really is great. And I can't encourage my audience enough to go out and buy this thing and go to yntrocks.com. Is it A-N-D or the, the and sign? Yeah, yeah it's yandtrocks.com, yes. So go there, order this thing. You want it physically, folks, I'm telling you. I mean, comes out on a stream, that's great, but you want all the bonus stuff because it's literally a whole nother movie on that second disc. So be sure to, to grab this. And even if you're a casual fan, just to get the insights of, of, of how important and why Y&T is so important and means so much to so many people, it's, uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. Dave, before I wrap up with you, what do you got? Uh, I know we're closing out here 2019 soon. What's next year looking like for the band? Well, uh, it's coming up very quick, as you know. Um, the pretty much middle of January, we're back out on the road for two months, all the way around the U.S. And uh, while we're doing that, of course, we'll be on the Monsters of Rock cruise for yep. now the tenth year in a row. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be fun. And uh, I think we're going to show some of the documentary clips on on the on the ship as well. Um, I, I believe you're going to be on this one as well, right? Yeah, I've been. I've done every cruise and i love it and you know i just had an idea because i know uh larry did this with some episodes of some of my past tv shows should have them running on one of the channels in the in the ship It'd be great for everybody yeah. to be able to yeah if somebody waking up one day all hung over and like don't feel like jumping right out to see bands you could roll over and turn on channel three and watch the y and t doc yeah yeah we've already talked to larry about it he's up for doing any number of things so that That'll be cool. But yeah, back to back to the basics, man. Just just get back out there, tour. Uh, if if we have the time in the summertime, we'd like to write some new material. Um, but we've also got some other things coming up that that we might put out before that happens. Forty uh, fifth anniversary around the world uh, live live stuff that we we recorded the entire tour. So um, it's there. There could be some pretty cool uh, things to throw out there and and some pretty energized crowds singing guitar licks and going crazy it's it's pretty fun before we get off the line i know that time is short i just wanted to thank you so much eddie for being a part of this because it was it was our idea to get you involved and have you do the voiceover work for it and uh, i couldn't be prouder that you're on it man 
Well, seriously, Dave, I said it at the top. It's a tremendous honor for me. It really is. I mean, I was telling my audience before we started talking, uh, my being in high school, driving to Lemoore's, the Black Tiger tour, seeing you guys go on at one thirty in the morning, hoping my car was still there at 4, driving back to Jersey with my ears ringing and the Mean Streak shirt that I got at merch or whatever. It's uh, it, It's been a phenomenal ride, and it's a supreme honor for me to, to have had a role in this. So I can't thank you enough for including me and there's few things better than seeing Y&T on the pool stage on the Monsters of Rock cruise blasting through forever or winds of change or or I believe in you and the wind whipping around and out there in the middle of the ocean so I can't wait for that as well <laughs> indeed well, send right, my man. best we'll to your wife in about and a month or so. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi to Jill and uh, say hi to the guys and enjoy your holidays if I don't uh, speak to you before. All right. Cheers, Eddie. Thanks. Well, my thanks to Dave Menichetti. Check out On With The Show, available now. You will not be disappointed. A great honor for me to be a contributor to that and have the opportunity to narrate it as well. And uh, thanks to Dave for the time. Remarkable career. Even though those commercial heights of great success were not necessarily met, that's not the measure of how great a band is. And Y&T, anybody that knows anything about hard rock will tell you, simply one of the best. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She puts together the Eddie Trunk podcast and produces it each and every week. I'll see you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode. Free, as always, Podcast One or Apple Podcasts. And one final reminder... If you're in Los Angeles, come see me tonight, December 12th at the Rainbow, live on the patio, 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, broadcasting live on volume as we celebrate the Trunk Nation holiday party. Don't miss it at the Rainbow. All right. Catch you guys next Thursday for another all-new episode. Have a good week, everybody. (laughs) 